that uh, God has planned to speak to you today. He's planned to talk to you and to show you uh, who he really is. So let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, the Word of God, how that you've already spoken to us through the Holy Spirit using many to write it down. Lord, we take this Word and we call it truth. There's a lot of true things in this world, but there's only one truth, and that is your Word. And we trust in that now. Lord, I come against disease. Lord, whatever disease is floating around in this world, Lord, that it'll float around us. It will not touch our bodies. And we proclaim that in Jesus' name. Lord, I come against fear. And I say, fear, you are a spirit. You have no hold upon the minds of believers. And that we will walk in confidence that divine health is manifested in our bodies. Thank you, Father, as we have fasted this past week, God, that you have taught us, you've shown us you. Our families are whole. Our bodies are whole. Lord, that our government will line up to your word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the signatures regarding prayer in our schools. Thank you, Lord, for changes that are manifesting to save the 1.6 million children every single year, Lord, that we will see your word manifest, and we give you honor for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you as you're seated. Well, we've been uh, talking about don't ever forget. Don't ever forget what? Well, all of God's benefits. And... Um, I want you to recognize right away is that you are a healed church. God has done some peculiar things, particular things in your lives. It is something that God has been using, working with, and talking with. Your families, the situations of lives for years, that's changing. But it's changing because you walk in the truth. It's changing because you've made a decision to walk in the things of the Lord. You've made a decision not to, here it is, you hear from me all the time. You've made a choice not to allow other people to drag you into their ditch. How many of you know that everybody has a ditch they can jump into? Amen. Have you ever jumped into your ditch? Yeah, yeah, you have. I have too. And uh, sometimes you need people to, to help you out of that ditch. But the reality is, is in life, life uh, sometimes wants to deal you dirty, and life wants to give you more than one ditch. It wants to give you other people's ditches. So when they, they walk in anger, they walk in unforgiveness, they walk in bitterness, they walk in this lifestyle, they want to drag you into their ditch. And so that every time you're around them, you're angry too, you're bitter too, you're frustrated too. And so what I want you to recognize is that God said through David, don't ever forget, forget what? Again, his benefits. And so turn to Psalm 103, or get on your iPad or your phone, get to the scripture, Psalm 103, and uh, you'll see it on the screen too. And let's read this again, and let's, let's begin talking about the next benefit. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and forget not all his benefits. So again, like all of this, David was talking to himself. And he was saying some particular things that I believe God was bringing to him. So the question is, why would God, through David, tell us not to forget all of his benefits? And the answer is, God's benefits will drive you back to him. God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is a lover of people. He loves you. He wants you to understand that. The world will tell you that God, why did God allow this to happen? Why is God so mean? Well, they don't know the God that I serve. They don't know the God that you serve. And so we continue to remind us of who God really is. So many of us and probably all of us have experienced some tough things in our lives. And because we've experienced tough things, your soul is debating what to believe or even how to feel. Your soul is crying out to you, to your spirit, and it is saying, you know, don't you see what's going on in life? It's not fair. And so you hear the world always trying to find the safe places. Hey, everyone wants to be safe. Everyone wants to do, but that, that safety comes in the presence of the Lord. So a lot of times because of this, we are confused. What do we believe? So let me just kind of give you a funny story here. It's called digging a hole. What do you believe? There were two guys working for the city. One would dig a hole. He would dig, dig, dig. The other would come behind him and fill the hole. He'd fill it, fill it, fill it. And these two men were worked furiously, and one digging a hole, and the other, he would fill it up again. A man was watching from the sidewalk and couldn't believe how hard these men were working, <laughs> but couldn't understand what they were doing. Finally, he asked them, and he said to the hole digger, I appreciate how hard you work, but what in the world are you doing? You dig a hole and your partner comes behind you and fills it up again. And the hole digger replied, oh yeah, must look funny, huh? But the guy who plants the trees is sick today. It'll take you a moment to get that. Remember city work? There's something missing because life has dealt you things. And because a certain thing is not there, we have a tendency not really to believe. So let me say it a different way. You live for the Lord and work for him and his kingdom, and it comes with benefits. But there is a way of thinking, there is a way of doing life that brings those benefits in your life. We've talked about a supernatural benefit of the new you. In this new year, we want to understand there's a new you. God has renewed things in your life. The forgiveness of all iniquity is part of those benefits. And the release and or healing of all diseases. And David begins talking about more. So it's so sad, some believers don't receive it. It is really sad because those benefits are there for all of us. But notice, I want to just say this, notice in business, few 
part-time employees receive benefits. We cannot be a part-time believer in who God is in our lives and expect full benefits. Follow my thought. Let's be full-time believers in what God has set apart, what God has said, not what life has said. Life, at times, is opposite of the truth. So many have been set up to be part-time believers. Your parents divorced. So relationships are not really something you believe in. Disease came in your life or came in a family member's life. And so healing really isn't something you believe fully. You prayed for things and it didn't happen. So rejection is something that is hard for you. People you loved or trusted hurt you. Your father wasn't there. Your mother rejected you. And because of that, there's areas of life that when God says something in his word, you really don't believe it is truth. True, this happened in your life, and it devastates you. God's, God talks about that constantly in the word of God. But he wants you to understand, trust in me, believe in me, and if you do, I will give you the, these full benefits. Don't be part-time with me, but believe me fully. So it's hard to trust God because of the setup. And the setup, the Bible calls it tribulation. There will be tribulation in your life. <clears throat> in John 16, verse 33, it says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world." I have overcome the power of the setup. The Holy Spirit has overcome the power of the setup. Things, your children, your parents, your siblings, your coworkers, whatever it is, God has overcome the setup that causes you to be a part-time believer. You love Jesus all your heart, you're going to heaven because you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But David is telling his soul, because what David has gone through, he's saying, hey, get your thinking straight. Get your emotions in line. Don't fix your emotions. God gave you emotions. I get really um, fed up with people always wanting to fix their emotions. Don't fix them. They're good. But line them up with the thoughts and what God says then your emotions will be a power to you because what will your emotions do? In everything, it will allow you emotionally in a full way to see the love of God, to draw him to you and draw you to him. So two things this tells us. First of all, in the world, this is really deep, in the world, stuff happens. How many of you believe that? In the world, stuff happens. But Jesus overcame the stuff so it doesn't have to affect you where you doubt God in areas of your life or become a part-time believer. Not everybody can work for UPS or work part-time and get full benefits. 
By the way, the world cannot meet the needs only God can fulfill. And it's called his benefits. So let me explain this thought in our marriage. Many say he or she doesn't really make me happy. We have, quote, there, if that's a thought process, marital problems. But church family, God himself is your source of happiness. Your spouse is God's gift to you. When you, listen very closely to what I say so you don't miss this. When you de-elevate the gift, which is your spouse, and put the gift in its proper place, you will experience the release of all God's benefits in your marriage. How do you put things in its proper place? You repent to the Lord for thinking wrongly. When you trust God for your happiness, your spouse will become the greatest gift you have ever received. Remember the new you? Be released from an inner bent that life created. Be released because of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of being beaten for you, for your healing, be released from the inner bent of always thinking that everything you have, everything, every relationship you have is not enough and you're always offended and you're always hurt. It's called a shift. It's called in this church, it's a culture shift. This is a church that walks in the love of God in spite of some that still don't understand that. This is a church that is a giving church in spite of some that don't give. This is a church that understands the healing power of God. And that's why every time we gather, we lay hands on the sick. We anoint with oil. Why? Not because everybody has been healed that's been touched by people in the church, but because it's a truth. It's a benefit of God. We learned last week. That's why we do that. It is a culture shift. Life Every one of us come in from life. Every one of us have experienced different facets, different things in life. And because of that, every one of us come in with a different bent towards thinking of certain subjects in life. But when we gather together, we gather together and we get in the Word of God and it's the truth that sets you free. It is the thinking of the word of God. And that's what David was saying to himself. He is saying, self, line up to what God says. Our fulfillment comes from God. Our peace, our joy comes from him. Everything we do is based on the word. Loving one another as Christ loved you. Understand this also. You are very important to me. But understand that I'm very important to you. That we are a family, that we are born again, we are a family, and we are learning and growing, and when some are attacked with sickness, we stand with them. When some are attacked in families, we stand with them. We are there. It is a culture shift. We come in here, and, and I have 
German, uh, many of you, uh, Spanish, you know, whatever, Italian, you name it, whatever you've come from, born with, we celebrate those cultures. We celebrate the colors of skin. But I'll tell you what, what we have to in unity to totally receive all the benefits of God is we celebrate the culture of a biblical church. Amen. Are you following that? And so with that, we're able to live together in the body of Christ. We're able to be together, to serve together, to, to uh, help one another when there is a loss of life and, and we come in, we undergird people. When there's a marriage, we celebrate. All these things are what the church is all about and we need to understand that our culture is based upon the Word of God. So run to Jesus and change your source of happiness. Run to Jesus and change your source of happiness. Terry is the best gift God has given me on this earth. I will, I will never forget that. She is the best gift that I have ever received in my life. Again, full benefits are not offered to part-time employees. If they are, it's a miracle. Amen. If they are, it's a miracle. And we have to grab a hold and grab, gravitate towards what the truth says. So God will not compete for your affection either. He is waiting on you. David is saying to himself, self, line up. Soul, mind, will, and emotions, line up because the truth will set you free. In verse 4, it says, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. What we're going to do today, I've kind of changed in this series is the first part of this verse is basically redeems your life from destruction or bringing you out of a pit. Well, I want to talk about loving kindness and tender mercies first. So we're going to, next week, we're going to talk about how to get people that you know or yourself out of a pit. Who redeems your life from destruction. So let's look at the second part. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. What does that mean? David speaking to his soul, mind, will, and emotions, line up with the truth of the word of God, and then he proclaims what the Holy Spirit was saying to him, and he wrote it down. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. The word crowns there means to encircle you or to surround you. So God wants to surround you, and there is power in this benefit of encircling. God wants to encircle you with what does he want to encircle you? So the question, what does this verse tell us God wants to surround us with? Loving kindness and tender mercies. Well, let me tell you what the, the, the Hebrew says. Loving kindness means favor in the Hebrew. God wants to surround you with favor. God also wants to surround you with tender mercies or it actually can, can be stated with his tender 
love. So what David is telling himself with all the stuff that he's faced in his life so far as he wrote this, because I believe that when he wrote this, he literally was at an older age. And he was writing looking back of what he learned serving the Lord. And so it reads like this, God wants to surround you with favor and a compassion. So the question is, if I can be delivered from an inward bent of iniquity, how do I experience favor and compassion in my life? How do I experience these benefits when it seems like I'm on the bottom of the totem pole? I'm on the bottom rung of the ladder. And it seems like that life is not fair. It seems like I don't have favor. And I want you to, to understand, a few weeks ago, I had the privilege of meeting my youngest granddaughter named Bridget. And at one time, I was holding her, and I grabbed her, and, and I walked around. I didn't walk far with her, but I walked around, and I began to pray over her, as I've done with all my grandchildren. At that time, I got overwhelmed in how much I loved her. Because normally I was there, and right away I was able to meet my grandchildren, but I had to wait a, a certain time to meet her. I kissed her head, and I squeezed her, and I hugged her, and I was telling her how much I, I loved her. I was praying for her. And that night, I had gone downstairs, um, and I wanted to catch up uh, with my phone. I wanted to catch up on reading for journaling, and I was trying to catch up on that, and I was praying, and I began to pray for Bonnie, and I was praying for Bridget. But I heard in my spirit, and I heard the Lord say to me this, I sure wish I could hug you and love you like you love Bridget. I'm a pastor. I know stuff like that. What? He said, I sure wish I could hug you and love you the way I love Bridget. His final words to me was, I long to hold you like Bridget, son. Will you let me? And you think about it, some of us in here, you're in the Word of God, you pray, you fast, you have really learned to correct yourself in life. You really learn to be able to be an example for the kingdom of God. And what David was reminding himself was, when are you going to allow the Lord to hug you? When are you going to allow the Lord to really, Pastor uh, Dan was talking about that, that secret place. He was talking about the presence of the Lord in worship. They picked some songs that talked about the love of God and, and the new song that was uh, being taught and, and all the reality of, of the things that, that we have been hearing all morning long. And I'm just saying to you, some of you who are born again, love Jesus with all your heart, faithful to church, faithful to your spouse, faithful to your family, faithful to your job, all your career, everything that you're doing. And I'm just saying, when is the last time you allowed God to hug you? When is the last time you've allowed the Lord to really show you how much he loves you?
Some of you in this house have a very poor vision of fathers. Your viewpoint is not good because of life, because of what has happened in your past. So first, to experience God's favor, some of us in this room must make a decision to let Father God embrace you and hold you and love you. If you do, let me just say this. Let me just say this. Gentlemen, don't shut me out because I sound like some weak guy talking about love. I'm telling you, when is the last time with all your strength, with all your power, with, with all the authority you walk in, with the success that you've had, when are you going to allow the Lord to really show you how much he loves you? When are you, you, you going to allow him to take you, even in the midst of the stress that you're facing about paying bills or whatever it is that you're facing, when are you going to allow the Lord just to grab a hold of you and say, son, it's okay? Sisters in the Lord, when are you going to allow the Lord to show you what love really is that isn't based on sex? It's going to change your viewpoint of who God is and really change the viewpoint, viewpoint of who you are if you really allow that to happen. He longs to surround you with favor and compassionate, tender love and embrace you. When God embraces you, it will run the root of rejection right out of your heart. Many struggle with rejection. They struggle with what has happened in the past. Is because that they haven't allowed, even with that, they haven't allowed God to embrace them. But let me tell you, that very first embrace will remove that root of bitterness and that root of rejection that is there in your life. I hug my children as much as they let me. They're in their 30s. What did the father say about Jesus in, in the water baptism? This is my son, a big hug, with whom I am well pleased. Father God literally said, that's my boy. Amen. And that's why the way I feel as a father. How do you experience it? You ask him for one. I told you years ago, your pastor's simple. In deep, difficult areas of lives, I'm just very simple where the answer is. You ask for one. How do you get healing? You ask for it. How do you get forgiven, released from an inward iniquity? You ask them for it. The Father was saying to me, don't forget my loving kindness and tender mercies. Well, let me tell you a story of Paul. How many of you remember Paul in the Bible? We're going to be announcing the next few weeks the footsteps of Paul. We're going to be going on that journey. And it's about a 12-day journey of, of following where Paul went. And it's going to be an exciting time. So be ready for that as we announce that. Paul is sailing to see Caesar in Italy. 
And there in the sea, a huge storm comes up. And the Bible says that this storm lasted for two weeks. Some of us, when our morning is bad, <laughs> we complain about life is not good. When the coffee maker breaks, we, we say it's a bad day. Well, this was two weeks long of a storm. The storm was so bad, they threw almost everything overboard to lighten the load. At the end of the two weeks, they said, that's it, we're done, life is over. These sailors were giving up. These professional sailors were giving up. And let's read in Acts 27 what takes place. And there's a point I want to give you in this. But after long abstinences from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me. Right then and there, as a sailor, I probably would have cussed at him and threw him out. And not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. There's a purpose. There's a purpose that he is going after, and something is trying to stop it. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with, granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. True, they were in this battle. The truth is God will deliver them. However, we must run aground on a certain island. So they listened to Paul and kept everyone alive, and they basically ran aground and then waited or swam to shore. Acts 28, verse 1. Now when they had escaped, they found, had found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome. Plans of God in his favor. Because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold, but when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said one to another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea in this great storm, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, <laughs> the world, the way the world sees things, however, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. Can you just imagine that there? I was just going. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. 
They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. The favor of the Lord, the tender mercies of God. Natives, the natives thought he would swell up and die, and Paul just shook the snake off. See, the leader of the island got sick and is about to die, and Paul prayed for him, and he was healed. So here's the second thing we need to learn. When you walk in favor of the Lord, nothing can stop what God has planned for you. You stand in God's covering and in God's anointing. When things get rough, you stand. The Bible says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Talks about putting on the armor of God. It talks about literally understanding, speaking to your soul and saying, this is who you are as a child of God. This is who you are being born again. This is what can take place for you if you become the full-time believer. This is what can take place for you if you will take the snakes of life and shake them off and continue to believe what the Word of God says. Let me say it this way. Paul knew the hug of God. After all of that, Paul has a healing service. I probably would just go sit in a corner of a house and cry. Paul had a healing service because the kingdom of God is not about me. The kingdom of God is about others. But if it's about others, the blessings of the Lord comes. God has a plan for you and its favor and its tender mercies. But a lot of times, because we're, we're part-time believers in what God will do, we have a tendency to walk away from the path that he's asking us to walk in. And because we walk away from the path he's asking us to walk in, we begin to look and surmise, you know, what's going on, what's happening, and then we get smarter in our britches, and we think that we have a better idea than God. And God is saying things to you and me. He's saying, I just stinking love you. Will you allow me to love you? Will you allow me in the midst of your stuff, will you allow me to take you through it? I've already planned for natives to be there to take care of you. I've already planned for a leader in the island to take care of you and house you. I've already allowed these things to take place in your future, but you haven't allowed me to hug you. What do you do when you have your small children and you're crossing a busy street? Go first. See if there's any danger. No, you don't do that. <laughs> you don't do that. No. What do you do? You put your arms around them and you walk them across. See, that's what the Lord was, was saying to David. That's what the Lord was, was saying through David to you and me. And that's what the Lord was saying to me when I was over in Colorado and I was loving on Bridget. He's saying, I want you to love me like that and I want to love you like that. I thought I did. Don't ever forget how much he loves you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown in the fire, were not afraid. They knew God's favor. 
Let me just tell you, complaining about life gets you nothing. Let's look at the third thing. Well, let me say this. If you feed off fear all your life, here's an answer to that. If you feed off fear all your life, stop. Here it is, the third. Be fed by the source of the supernatural. Don't be fed by the flesh. Don't be fed by what you feel you need. Don't be fed by what you see that you thought it's not fair. How come they have that and I don't? I would rather walk in the benefits of God than the benefits of man. Are you following that thought? I would rather walk in that. And let me just tell you, I'm not so spiritually minded, I'm no earthly good. Life is life. You have to deal with it. Amen? You know, oh, oh, you want to beat me up? Oh, okay, I'll put my hands down. Go ahead, beat me up. Bible says to, you know, turn the other cheek. Well, you're going to try to beat me up? I'm going to... Okay? And I want you to, to understand the reality of, of what real life, spiritual life is about. Real spiritual life is not just, just being this thing, this thing floating around. Jesus loves me. No, you, you are a person of authority. You are a person of strength. You're a person of power. You're a person of love. You're a person of forgiveness. Let me tell you, it takes a lot of strength to forgive. It takes a real man and a real woman to forgive. It takes a real man or a real woman to stand in the midst of where someone is mistreating you and you don't respond in their ditch. You don't jump in their ditch and say, let's fight. You stay on your road. Romans 8, 11 and 12 says this, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, but to live according, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you, verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, these are sons of God. So let's conclude with this. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. See, there's that word fear. But you received the spirit of adoption. Whoa. Let me just say it again. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Daddy. How do you receive the favor of the Lord? Adoption. He's your Abba Father. He's your Daddy. He's Dad. Well, I didn't have a good experience with a father. doesn't matter. 
It explains to you everything that he is. But here's the struggle again. The Father, through the Holy Spirit, said, will you allow me to hug you like you did Bridget? Will you allow me to kiss you like you did Bridget? Will you allow me to bless you, to speak blessings and future blessings? I mean, every one of my grandchildren, the Lord prophetically spoke through me to them. They have no clue what I'm saying. Probably most of them were asleep when I was saying it to them. But God is saying, I have you in my arms. I got this thing, son. I have this thing, daughter. Will you trust in me? See, an entire tribe got saved because Paul walked surrounded by the Father's loving kindness and tender mercies. The whole island was transformed. <laughs> the same people, they looked, they said, oh, he's dead. He's a murderer. He's a god. See, the world's confused about the love of God and the favor of the Lord. Why would God allow the, the ship to go fall apart? Well, remember, I didn't read that part to you, but Paul told them, don't sail. But they had a better idea. And so they sailed, and they spent two weeks in battle of this storm, and the best sailors wanted to give up and just die. And I'm saying to you, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you recognize who you are. You recognize what God has called you to be. You recognize that you have a God who has his arms wrapped around you. He wants to lead you. Will you let him hug you? Hmm. Amen. This is speaking to all of you. And I want you to understand, I'm glad because I love you and I believe in you. You are gifted, anointed. You are such great gifts in the kingdom of God. And God wants to do this for you. And that's why David's <laughs> talked to himself. Soul, line up. Don't ever forget that your God loves you and wants to hug you. Let's all stand. In the word good? Amen. Amen.